Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Join with others in being imitators of me, brothers and sisters, and observe those who thus conduct themselves according to the model you have in us. For many, as I have often told you, and now tell you even in tears, conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. Their minds are occupied with earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we also await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will change our lowly body to conform with His glorified body by the power that enables Him also to bring all things into subjection to Himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, beloved. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced because they said to me, We will go up to the house of the Lord. And now we have set foot within your gates, O Jerusalem. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem built as a city with compact unity. To it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. According to the decree for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord, in it are set up judgment seats, seats for the house of David. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do, now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another he said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than the children of light. 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, there have been many elections before which I have preached to you. None more important than the one we are living in right at this moment. There have been many sermons that I have preached, many exhortations that I have spoken. With earnestness in my heart and mind, conviction in my soul, tears in my eyes, but none more fervent, none more heartfelt, none more urgent than the one I am preaching to you right now. There have been many opportunities for our nation to change direction, to change course, to renew and refresh our leadership, to set out in a new way and yet on the same path that our founding fathers set us out on, to make the mid-course corrections that the necessity for which history is full that we needed to make, but none more urgent than the one we are in right now. There have been times when our nation has fallen short. There have been periods of our history when we have been in decline, but none more than now. There have been times when we have gone off the moral path of righteousness, of embracing the common good, of securing justice, of securing prosperity for ourselves and our descendants. But never have we veered from it more dramatically than now. And there have been times, brothers and sisters, that we have had to fend off powerful enemies, foreign and domestic. But never have we had to fend off enemies more menacing, more entrenched, more vicious and more of a threat to the very survival of our freedom than we have to cast off from ourselves right now. Many an election have we voted with the good of our children and grandchildren in mind, but never has that good been more threatened than right at this moment now. I have preached for so many elections filled with confidence that you, the people of God, would do the right thing, would show up in greater numbers than ever before, and would vote in a way consistent with your faith and your moral convictions. Never has that hope been more precious and urgent to me than it is today as I speak to you right now. And the readings inform that for us today. The readings shape this hope. The readings we have just heard instill this urgency. We are citizens of heaven. Paul says it to the Philippians. Our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to a kingdom, brothers and sisters. That kingdom has broken into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. He has manifested His gospel. He has taught us His way of life. And then He has told us, make a difference. Notice what Paul says here. That our citizenship is in heaven. We're waiting for Jesus to come back from there. 
Our true home is there, not here. Other scripture passages tell us that we are actually, as we live in this world and as we live as citizens of our respective nations, and what a great nation we have here in America, that nevertheless we are strangers and in exile. The letter to the Hebrews says, We seek here no lasting city, we await one that is to come. That being true, we recognize that while we are here, Christ is bringing all things into subjection to himself. That's what the reading here says today. Christ Jesus, who has come into the world to reconcile it to the Father, is now day by day, step by step, bringing all things into that reconciliation, into that salvation. He's changing the world for the better, and he's doing it through you and me. We're not spectators in this marvelous work of God's salvation. We are not bystanders in the work of God transforming the world. We are active participants. As citizens of heaven, living in exile on earth, God is working through us to speak truth, to manifest justice, to protect life, to enhance freedom. He's working through you, and one of the ways He works through you and me is our vote and our ability to bring others to vote so that we have the kind of leadership that protects life and enhances freedom and secures that freedom for our children and grandchildren. So the, the reading here says Christ Jesus in the midst of this is bringing all things into subjection to himself. We don't look at an election just in political terms. No Christian sees an election just in terms of partisan politics. A Christian sees an election as part of Jesus Christ bringing all things into subjection to himself, as part of citizens of heaven making a difference on earth. And we see elections furthermore as exercising the stewardship that this powerful gospel passage speaks about. I have given you a stewardship, God says, and I am going to ask for you an accounting of it. And so we see here the accounting. And the steward is afraid because he hasn't done a very good job. What is a steward? A steward is entrusted with a gift and is asked not only to protect and preserve it, but to make it produce even more good. And then the master comes back and he is to present that expanded enlarged goodness. We are stewards here in America of a tremendous legacy. We have the nation that attracts more people from more places of the earth than anywhere else. Why? Because it is based not on geography or ethnicity, but on liberty. It is based not on simply what we have, but what we believe. It is not simply based on whom we descended from. It is based on what we have taken into our hearts as the convictions of the truth that we belong to God, that we kneel only to God, that freedom is found in submission to God, that He is the judge of the earth, as our founders said in the Declaration, and that He, as they said in that same document, he alone is the source of our rights and that therefore government governs only with the consent of the governed. We have a stewardship 
Because until America came along, the nations of the world didn't think this way, didn't know this kind of government, didn't embrace or model this kind of freedom based on faith. Brothers and sisters, we are at a moment now when that stewardship is in play in a way that it has hardly ever been in any previous election. The stewardship of our nation, the stewardship of our freedom. We have to ask ourselves a very basic question that has been asked in many elections by citizens who care about the future. Are we better off now than we were two or four years ago? Are we better off? Are we moving in the right direction? How's our stewardship doing? How are we doing at preserving that freedom, fostering that prosperity, increasing that safety, increasing that respect for life? How are we doing at protecting our children, protecting our neighborhoods, boosting our economy, enhancing our security, expanding our religious freedom, protecting the most vulnerable, the unborn? How are we doing? Are we better off now? Or are we worse? And what kind of leaders do we want to elect? You know, in Scripture, the kings have a great deal of responsibility before the Lord. Kings come about, the Lord anoints them, puts them over His, His chosen people on their land that God Himself gave, and under the covenant that God revealed to them through Moses, through the commandments, and through the code of the covenant, all the different ways that the people of God had to live. And remember, God was using them to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. So they had their land, they had their way of life, they had their king. And many of the kings, as we read in the Old Testament, led the people to observe the covenant of the Lord. They knew this was one of their key responsibilities to model by their own behavior and then to exhort the people, follow the commands of the Lord. Why? Well, because as kings of the people, as guardians of their safety, as promoters of their well-being, the kings knew well, if they had faith, that the best way to preserve the security of the people was to obey the Lord who gave them the land. The best way to protect their land from menacing enemies was to worship well the one who gave them that land. To renew and to live the covenant was the smartest thing politically, the smartest thing militarily. The best way to use their strength was to enhance their spiritual and moral strength. So you had kings who renewed the covenant, led the people in worship, and then you had the bad kings. You had kings, and we read about them throughout the history of the Old Testament, who actually led people in rebellion against the covenant. Who actually not only worshipped false gods, but set up false altars for the people to worship false gods. To turn their backs on the very God who gave them freedom and who gave them their land. Turn their backs. Instead of protecting life, they killed their children. Instead of following the law of the Lord, they followed demons. You know what happened as a result? The exile. 
The Assyrians came in, took away the northern kingdom. Then later on in history, the Babylonians came in, destroyed the southern kingdom, destroyed the holy city, Jerusalem, and the temple itself. Read the book of Lamentations to see the sorrow, the grief, the distress they brought upon themselves. Why? Because they abandoned the covenant. Now, the kings had a tremendous responsibility here, didn't they? The people didn't get to elect their kings. Here in America, we elect our leaders. We elect those who make our laws. We elect those who judge our court decisions. Or we elect those who appoint those judges. We have the power. It's the consent of the governed. Brothers and sisters, that means that the responsibilities that the kings had in the history of Scripture are now on our shoulders. What that means is by whom we elect, by the authority we exercise with our vote, we are either upholding the covenant or denying the covenant. We are either worshiping the true God in His temple or setting up false altars to demons. We're doing it. We're making the decision. And you may say, oh, well, Father Frank, you know, the people that we're electing, you know, they're not setting up false altars and, and leading the people into false worship. Brothers and sisters, if they are denying moral truth, they are worshiping false gods and leading the people astray. If the leaders we elect are ripping up, tearing up the plan of God for marriage and the family, or the plan of our founding fathers for our freedom in our Constitution, they are doing us harm. If they're tearing up the law of God, you might as well be building a false altar and going to worship false gods. You might as well be. Because you as the voters, we as the people who govern ourselves, are deciding the direction of the nation we want to go. You look at what the parties say. It's not just what the candidates say. What parties they belong to. The Democrat Party and the Republican Party have platforms. They have visions. They have worldviews. They have a direction in which they want to take the nation. And when you vote, you're implementing that vision. You're following that worldview. You're giving power to that plan. What direction does it go? We have a situation today where it's more than just differences of policy. Friends, we have to get policies that correct the absolutely outrageous and historic inflation we have right now, the energy costs, the fact that we're begging other nations for our energy, the fact that we're failing on the world stage, we're surrendering in places like Afghanistan, allowing Russia to invade other nations. We have attacks on our free speech, censorship, a media that has become the enemy of the people. We have record crime. The cities in which we live are no longer safe. The border that we have is no longer secure. We don't have it anymore. We're letting nations get nuclear weapons and outbuild our own military. We are not respected or listened to. We see problems even getting our groceries stocked. We see our education 
system going down the tubes, we see our children being indoctrinated with false ideas, false moral ideas, false historical ideas. We see our religious freedom not being respected. We see our faith being mocked. We see our unborn children being targeted and peaceful pro-life activists also being raided by the FBI by a justice system that has become weaponized against its political opponents. And those who are doing this to us, to our nation, to our future, and to our freedom want to grab the power they have and make it permanent. They want to change our election system. They want to change the Supreme Court to a way that they can control it. They want to have permanent power. This is not just about a choice between one policy or another, one idea about how to deal with crime or the economy versus a different idea. What is at stake in this election and why I said at the outset that it is with more urgency, with more fervor than I have ever had before in speaking to you about an election that I speak to you today about the importance of this one is because of this. Our choice here is whether or not we are going to cast off a yoke of tyranny. Please don't think that I am using exaggerated language. We see our freedom under attack. We see people in power doing things that make no sense if they cared about America. The very things I mentioned, it is not difficult to figure out how you fix those things. And the choices that have been made under our current leadership just don't make sense if those leaders love America, love our freedom, and care about you and me and our descendants. It just doesn't make sense. We're at a moment, brothers and sisters, where we have to vote again for freedom. We have to take a step back here and look at the big picture. Why are we in decline? These are not inevitable, uncontrollable forces. These are choices that our leaders are making, and therefore, just as we see in the document that our Catholic bishops issued called Living the Gospel of Life, I'm going to read a, a short passage here, just as they say, what these leaders do, yeah, it's their responsibility. But it's their responsibility because we gave it to them. Our Lord says, how are you exercising your stewardship, O citizens of my heavenly kingdom? While you are in exile here on earth, how are you exercising your stewardship? How are you exercising your vote? Are you using it? to increase your prosperity and freedom and that of your children and grandchildren? 
The bishops say to us, every voice matters in the public forum. Every vote counts. Every act of responsible citizenship is an exercise of significant individual power. We have way more power than the people of old had under their kings. They were subject to those kings. Either they worshiped the Lord of the covenant or they built false altars. We might as well go worship at a false temple if we're electing people who don't see the sanctity of life, who don't see the value of freedom, who are trying to control and indoctrinate our children instead of teach them to read and write and count. The bishops go on to say this, we get the public officials we deserve. Their virtue or lack thereof whether they're going to acknowledge the true God or worship false gods, whether they're going to respect life or call for the destruction of life, whether they're going to enhance freedom or enforce lockdowns, their virtue or lack thereof is a judgment not only on them, but on us. Friends, we can lament all the things that are going wrong, And to a certain extent, we should. We should fire ourselves up. We should sound the alarm. We should be worried. And we should get others worried. But not with despair. We can turn this around. And we can turn this around this Tuesday. Make no mistake. The power is in your hands. Make no mistake, you have a stewardship, so do I. And the Lord is asking and accounting for it, not just at the last judgment, but here and now. We will live with the consequences here and now, before judgment day. Make no mistake, we are citizens of heaven living on earth. Our citizenship here and the way we exercise it and the way we vote and the way we lead our nation is subject to our citizenship in heaven. Fellow members of the kingdom of God, fellow citizens of the kingdom of Christ, fellow believers in life and in freedom, lovers of our families and our children, Now is the moment to take up our stewardship as we never have before. Now is the moment to fight in a way to defend this nation, to defend its values, to defend its faith, to defend its security and its economy. Now is the moment to defend and fight for these things like never in our history before. It's not about this candidate or that candidate I don't like him. I like her. It's about casting off the yoke of tyranny and oppression. It's about giving a stinging rebuke to those who are trying to indoctrinate our children in immoral practices, in ridiculous beliefs, and who ridicule our faith and try to suppress the freedom of our church and of our nation. Now is the time, brothers and sisters, to strike back against that with a rebuke so convincing because of the number of the votes 
in the right direction, so persuasive, so definitive, that nobody will be able to doubt on either side of these issues where the American people stand. It is in our hands. It is in our hands right now. Fellow citizens of the kingdom of God, let us secure a resounding victory in this election for that kingdom, for freedom. That's why people of all political parties can join in on this. This is not a, 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 about a victory for a political party. This is about a victory for our freedom. Let's do it, and I have the greatest confidence that I've ever had that we will do it. Because I know you, and together you and I know the God whom we serve. May that God bless America. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.